Welcome to Shabbat Shalom. This is your host, Sam Frankart, and this is episode 29. We're on the second week of a two-week break from our study on the book of Revelation, and in place of the study, I'm sharing some sermons that I've preached at Ferrysburg Community Church. This is my last month serving as the Director of Student Ministries at FCC, and I want to honor my time there by sharing these. This sermon was given on August 23rd, 2020. I'm going to read Colossians 3:15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as a member of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message, message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and acknowledge one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs, through the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. hated country music. So my friends would say to me, what are your thoughts on country music? Just like playing around. And I'd say, I'd respond with some sort of parody of, well, my dog died, my truck broke down, I lost my job, and I feel so alone. I just, I'd joke around with them like that. And this all was because I thought it was just so depressing. It was this woe is me attitude. Those were my thoughts in high school. Until I met a boy who liked country music. I was hanging out with a group of friends, and there was a boy that was a couple years older than me. I was a sophomore, and he was a senior, and he had a car, so two really cool things, older than me and has a car, and he took an interest in me, three really cool things. Um, and we're hanging out in a group a few times, and then he finally asked me for my number. And I remember when he came, to pick me up. He drives up to my house in his car with the lightning bolt stripes down the side and big wheels, and I get into his car, and he turns on the music, and you guessed it, he is playing country music. Instead of making fun of him or the music like I usually would, I listened to it. He played song after song of country music. And when I got home from that date, I ran to the radio and right away found the country music station. If he liked country music and I liked him, then I was going to make country music a priority in my life. I went from being a hater of country music to making it a priority. It's interesting how our priorities change based on what we care about. Today we'll be looking at Colossians 3, 15 through 17, and we'll be focusing on four different aspects in these verses about what followers of Jesus should look like as an overflow of their relationship with him. So looking back, before we get into these few verses, the last few weeks, the last month, Pastor Nate has been looking at Colossians. So leading up to this point in Colossians 3, last week, Pastor Nate talked about this old life versus this new life, the old self versus the new self, different characteristics that the old life have had and then what the new life does have now. And the final verse that he shared with us last week said, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together 
in perfect unity. And unity is a theme that Paul carries on from verse 14 into verse 15. So we're going to look at verse 15 right now. So verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. So when he says one body here, he's referring to unity, the peace that we have as the body of Christ. Now when we hear that word peace, there's a couple different ways that we can think of peace. There is peace with God, and then there's the peace of God. And so peace with God is this tranquil state of the soul that's assured of its salvation. You know that God is with you, God is for you. You have peace with God. And then there's the peace of God. And this is a little bit different in that the amplified version of this says that it is soul harmony. And the message version says that we are in tune or in step with each other. It's this unity of peace. And peace of God characterizes a community of God's people. It's a standard for discerning God's will. So it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And it was so fun as I was researching this, that word rule, the Greek word for it, it actually suggests um, ruling over your decisions. It's this picture of an umpire at a sporting event who has the authority to determine whether something is in and good or out and bad. What's right and what's in and what's wrong and what's out. To rule something is to decide, determine, direct, and control. And there are many things that we have rule over. Do you have to make a decision? Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the peace of Christ make that decision. So what's an example of this? So you see a movie, and afterwards you feel yucky. That's a deep theological phrase, yucky. Um, it's just this turmoil that you feel. This, it disturbed my soul. There's a lack of peace. The peace of Christ wasn't ruling as you saw that movie. Or maybe you did something or said something in anger that you later regret. The peace of Christ wasn't ruling when you did or said that. Anger was instead. Or maybe you have fearful and anxious thoughts that just keep rotating through your mind, and it's just anxious thought that keeps coming up over and over. Don't make a decision based on an anxious thought. Let the peace of Christ rule over you. Yesterday, I was together with a group of women, and one of the things that they were talking about with this verse in particular is if you are in doubt, throw it out. And I really liked that, because if the peace of Christ isn't in you when you're making a decision, when you're moving forward, you have this doubt, this feeling of, I have a lack of peace. If you're in doubt, throw it out. Move on to what does give you peace, what centers you in the peace of Christ. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing. The peace of Christ will guard your heart and mind. Let the peace of Christ rule. 
And the last part of this verse is, and be thankful. And this isn't an afterthought. As we look through these three verses, we're going to see that this thankfulness, this theme, is repeated three times. And the second priority we're going to be talking about is an overflow of this new life that we live in Christ is gratitude. We prioritize gratitude to Christ. And so we saw in verse 15, to be thankful, and in verse 16, singing with gratitude, and in verse 17, giving thanks. In these three verses, he talks about gratitude and thankfulness three times. I think this is a big deal. So when I read through these, um, and I read about singing with gratitude, right away my mind was transported to the final month on the world race in Africa. So we went to Tanzania, and I remember getting off of the bus and stepping onto Tanzanian soil, and there were just a group of Maasai women there that were trying to sell us different things, bracelets and um, just tourist-type things. And we made our way past them over to the church, and that's where we would be staying for the month, partnering with a pastor in his ministry of preaching, teaching, and just going out and sharing the gospel. We get there, and there is a group of girls that's already been there for a couple of weeks, and so there were going to be 12 of us together doing ministry. And so Sunday comes around, and we go to the church building, and we're ready for worship. And y'all, when I read this verse about singing with gratitude, this was the first picture that came to mind. The singing that happened there was such rejoicing, just jumping around and yelling and just running around and dancing. It was gratitude. It was so much joy. And at the end of that service, there were the Tanzanian people singing in Swahili and those of us from America singing in English all together. How great is our God? All just centered on these words of how great he is. So much gratitude. So he says, Paul says, to sing with gratitude in your heart. And that word gratitude in the Greek is actually translated charis, which means grace, which is interesting. But it also means joy, pleasure, and loveliness, or to rejoice exceedingly. And it's the same Greek word that's used in Matthew 2.10 where it says, when they, speaking of the Magi, when they saw this star, they were overwhelmed with joy. So imagine these Magi, these men who had been waiting so, so long for the Messiah to come and redeem Israel. And they search the sky, they search the stars, and they are continually looking for one star to appear that would signify that the Messiah had come. And they see that star up in the sky, It says that they were overwhelmed with joy. Y'all, when I think of that, I'm not thinking that this joy was just, oh, yay, the star is here. No, they were so excited. Let's go. Let's go rejoice. Let's go praise this Messiah who we've been waiting for. And that's the same word that Paul uses when he's saying to sing with gratitude. Do you rejoice in this way? The third priority that we have as an overflow of our relationship with Jesus is to prioritize the word of Christ. Let's read verse 16. Verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
So to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly means abundantly, or to let it have ample room, or to remain as a rich treasure in your heart. And he says to teach and admonish, and there's a difference between these two. So teach, as we know, instruct, and admonish is different. It's warn or caution, or to rebuke gently. So we are to teach using the word of God, and we are to warn using the word of God, or reprove gently. Um, And these are behaviors that we do out of an overflow of who we are, out of this new person that we are in Christ. And different ways that Paul tells us that we can do this are through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, which is interesting and exciting altogether. So he lists out these three different ways that we can teach and admonish through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And he's not listing these to show a difference. There's actually no distinction between these. He's simply emphasizing that there are so many different ways to bring joy to God, to bring our joyful praise to God, Um, just emphasizing the variety in Christian song. Verse 17, let's look at how we can prioritize the reputation of Christ. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. When I read this verse right away, um, that word whatever stood out to me. Um, My college roommate, Brittany, told me a story about when she was in high school. And students, I would not advise using this with your parent. It didn't work too well for her. Um, But she said when she was in high school, her mom would tell her to do something or her mom would say something and Brittany would respond, whatever. And her mom said, now Brittany, don't go getting an attitude with me. And Brittany would say, oh, I'm not. I'm just reminding myself of the Bible. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, Philippians 4, 8. And so, like I said, this isn't how I'd recommend responding to your parents, um, but it is a pretty good use of the word whatever. That's Philippians 4, 8, if you wanted to look it up. (laughs) So the new man, he lives his life, his whole life for Jesus. And we see that in this verse. It says to do it all. And that means consistently. Consistency in what you're doing. And it says to do it in his name. And in the writing of that time, name actually meant character. So do everything in the character of Jesus, which makes sense, right? We, we, are this, we were this old person, and now we're this new person. So as we're acting out of the overflow of who he's created us to be, of course we want to do everything in his character, doing it all consistently in the character, in the name of Jesus. And he says to do it whether in word or in deed. Psalm 1914 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth. So this means in speech, in common conversation. It also means in our prayer life. These words shouldn't be filthy, but full of hope and thanksgiving. And then let the meditation of my heart which those are the thoughts that are constantly revolving in our head or the prayers that we have in our mind as well. 
as we're meditating on the word of God too. Let that be pleasing. Let the name of Christ be glorified, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what is this new life? We are God's chosen people. Romans 6, 13 through 14 says, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God. A person can be officially set free, like we sang about earlier, yet still imprisoned. If a person lives in prison for years and then is set free, they often still think and act like a prisoner. The habits of freedom aren't ingrained in their life yet. And Paul shows us how to build these habits of freedom in the, in the Christian life. In the 14th century, there were these two brothers who were battling over this dukedom that's now known as Belgium. The elder brother's name was Reynold, but he was often called Crossus because he was hugely overweight. And his younger brother's name was Edward. So Edward led a revolt against Reynold or Crossus, and he ended up winning. And in that time, what they would have done is killed whoever they beat. But instead of doing that, what Edward did was he created this imprisonment for Reynold. He made a room that only had one door and some windows, and he told Reynold, you're free to leave anytime you want. But the only obstacle was not the doors or the windows, but Reynold himself, because this door, it was about normal size, but because he crossed this, was so vastly overweight, he couldn't fit through the door. All he had to do was walk through, and he'd be free forever. He'd regain his title as duke over the land. But Reynold kept sending him tasty food, and he continued to choose eating over dieting down to a right size to walk out of this room a free man. Some would accuse this as being a cruel imprisonment, but Edward would simply reply, my brother's not a prisoner. He's free to, live when he, or to leave when he wants. Reynolds stayed in that room for 10 years until Edward himself was eventually killed in battle. And this accurately illustrates the experience of many Christians. Jesus set them free legally forever, and they may walk in that freedom anytime they choose. But since they keep yielding to their bodily appetites of sin, they live a life of defeat, discouragement, and imprisonment. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, beloved of God, yet we still choose to live in prison to sin. We put back on the rags of the old self, but we're called to be free. The new man walks in the peace of God, the word of God, and in worship with other believers. The new man lives his life, all his life, for Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have given us new life. I thank you that you give us the power to walk in this new life. I thank you that through this new life we have peace, that we have joy, and that we have um, just thanksgiving and gratefulness. God, I pray this week that you would continue to guide us more into what, of that, what that looks like. In Jesus' name, amen.
What we're going to do next is something that we've been doing the past couple of weeks, well, as long as we've been meeting together, is something called Talk About It. So I have two questions up there for you. Um, for those of you at home, circle together, talk about this. I'm going to give you a couple minutes. So the first question, what are three priorities in your life? And the second, do these priorities reflect the new life you have in Christ? So if you're in those pews, you can talk together. If you're at home, you talk together. If you're in the gym, talk together as well. Thanks for joining me for these two weeks of an interlude from our study on the book of Revelation. Uh, it's been such a joy just to be able to share these with you, and I hope to be able to share more in the future. I've preached at FCC eight times or so, and I'll be preaching again on the 23rd. Um, so yes, I'm excited to be able to share these, and starting next week, we will get back into the book of Revelation. We will be picking up with Revelation 8 and in verse 7 through 13. So we'll continue that study. So look forward to seeing you next week. You can find me on Instagram at Sam Frankart. Until then, Shabbat Shalom. Maranatha.